When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to On the Farm Picture List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I'm your host, Lamar Gibson. And I'm your host, Jake Mache. Uh, welcome back, Jake. Good to have you back. Um, thank you, thank uh, you. Good to yeah, be back. Uh, I know you were you were out and about. You were you were living a life and stepping away from the mic. Uh, something that I should learn how to do, but apparently I I never do. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. You should, uh, yeah, you should take some time. <laughs> I'm 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 too dedicated, right? I'm too just plugged into the prospect world. I can't put it down. Um, yeah. No, that's just code for me saying I don't have a life. Uh, <laughs> but but anyways, um, what we have for you, this is actually, I'm really uh, excited to be able to do this episode. I wanted to do it last year and it just never really came off uh, at all. And so I'm excited that we could do it this time. Uh, and it's a mailbag episode. So uh, we reached out to you all intrepid listeners and, and followers and got some really good questions, prospect and, and dynasty related questions um, from a, a few different sources. So thank you to everybody who um, sent in your questions. Uh, I think we'll be able to get to all of them if we don't, because we're running long. Um, thank you anyways. And it's definitely not personal, but we, again, try to keep this from being a two hour podcast uh, consistently, at least. So we'll try to breeze through as fast as we can. Um, we will jump into this week in baseball as we normally do. We have some debuts, uh, and then we have some um, some notes about uh, pitching promotions or, or lack thereof suddenly um, that we're running into, which is a surprise given how the year has gone. Uh, and we also want to talk about real quickly our, our top 50 FYPD rankings that we both released um, and just kind of talk through that before we get into your questions. So this week in baseball, we had uh, Milwaukee's Sal Freelich debut, uh, and he apparently has is, is been lifting the team. He's He's been rising from, I think he he debuted uh, in the sixth spot, and I believe today he's batting cleanup, I think I saw in the lineup, or somewhere close to it. So <laughs> Sal Freelich is just uh, jumping uh, right into the fray and, and what he is producing. Um, yeah. Somebody that I think it, it, the the prospect community was kind of split on, uh, especially coming out of Boston College, because I think some saw a five five tool type guy, but maybe not five very loud tools. Um, so so maybe not like what you're going to get from a Corbin Carroll, but maybe like Carroll Light, right? As far as being able to to give you a little bit of something everywhere in a good spot. Um, and I think there were those that were just like. This guy, he'll play a good center field, but, you know, he, he probably doesn't have as much pop as we want him to have or we're going to project onto him. Uh, 
therefore, you know, as a run producer, what is he really going to do for you there? Stolen bases, he's not a burner, so he gives you a handful. So, you know, there was another side that was kind of saying, you know, he's a bit overrated, uh, had a rough go of it this year with, and even part of last year with some injuries, um, but he has made his way through and has made his way to the major league team and it looks like he's there to stay you know at least as um everything looks for right now obviously we're also going into the trade deadline soon so who knows how things shake up there but jake sal freelich um any any thoughts in particular there yeah i think um i'm not relying on him to provide much of any power um in triple a this year he had a 2.1% barrel rate in 141 balls in play uh, with a 47% ground ball rate. Uh, did hit a lot of line drives um, and like not a lot of fly balls. Um, you know, I, it's, I usually don't pay attention to average exit velocity, but when you're looking at a number 85.2, I think you kind of have to take some stock in that as well, especially since everything else also points to the fact that he doesn't hit the ball very hard. So um, you're looking mostly at like um, at spray angle and launch angle here, like just getting a bunch of line drives um, and being more of a batting average guy, you know, that could spray the ball to all fields and beat out grounders. Um, you know, so I think he'll be solid for batting average, good for steals. And if he's batting fourth, he'll get some counting stats. I don't know why that's, I think two or three games in a row now, actually that he's been batting fourth. So I like if the Brewers want to do it, like sure. We'll benefit from that. Like take some extra runs on RBI. Like, okay. But I don't know if that's, sustainable um because that's usually not a spot where speedy contact hitters play in the lineup you know yeah yeah it's 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 very very kind of odd over there in milwaukee and i know there we're recording this on uh monday night and i know they're uh starting off with a uh interesting three game set against uh cincinnati uh so some things may may be moving around when it comes to the NL Central and I think Milwaukee they kind of give the feeling of they're just kind of holding on by like (laughs) by like the skin of their teeth like you know just white knuckling anything so I think that's kind of where the free stuff is like hey Mm -hmm. we're just kind of pushing I I think I saw a quote from or I I know I saw a quote from um council uh in regards to Jesse Winker and I'm paraphrasing what Council was saying, but pretty much was like, we're playing the guys that can hit. <laughs> like, you know, that's why yeah. Winker has been sitting on the bench. Like, whoever is is able to actually produce at all right now, um, I would. I've and been so out of the loop with Milwaukee. I didn't even realize that um, that optioned, uh, not a dominated option, Urias down. And yeah. I was just, I happened to, to be looking through on fan tracks and, and looking through rosters and stuff. And I saw the green flag and I was like, wait, I've been not paying attention to Marcus so bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't even know. And I'm sure he's been down for probably a while. And I just, it flew right, right past me. Um, so, yeah. But to your point, you know, if they're going to put him in the meat of the, the order, then yeah, there's some counting stats to be had. Yeah. Man, the Brewers are rough. Like, I, I keep reminding myself this is a first place team somehow. Um, yeah. like looking at their roster, like, and it's honestly kind of funny that Arias was sent down because like, they don't have got like, he shouldn't have lost the job to these guys, you know, like just looking at the, the four through nine spot right now on, on roster resource for the Brewers, Sal Freelich, Andrew Monasterio, Owen Miller, Bryce Turing, Blake Perkins, and then Joey Weimer. That is yeah. an atrocious two thirds of a first place teams lineup. 
I don't know how they're doing it. Even and even their starting rotation has been like knocked out. Like Woodruff has been out forever. Um, Burns yeah. hasn't been himself except for kind of like sporadically. I don't yeah. I don't know how they're doing it, but I mean I guess it's the division. But holy cow! Yeah, I I would say it definitely seems like it's the division. We'll see what what your what your beloved Reds have to say about that. <laughs> um, also, um, you talking about the that lineup? Uh, mentioning Weimer real quick. What is, I don't know if you still have uh, the page up, but like, is he close to a 2020 season? He's on, so he's on pace for it, but I don't think he's going to get the playing time down the stretch unless he's crazy productive in like, um, like limited PAs. He's only started in three of the last six games and one out of the last three. So it's, Mm. and I think with Freelick coming up, more competition in the outfield, um, Blake Perkins has been playing center field more often than, than Weimer recently. Um, yeah. and so like, he's been like really productive in, in homers and steals, but not mm-hmm. a whole lot outside of that. That's you know, like, and that, that's, that's right. why I was, I was wondering if he was still on that pace. I know early on, it looked like he was, he was locking or honing in, I should say on a 2020 season with like a 202, like batting average, right. and like right. a barely 300 OVP. It's going to uh-huh. be like one of the strangest 2020 seasons ever. Um, so yeah, it's just like, what do you do if you have, um, somebody like Weimer on your team, especially in a dynasty, um, setting, because like for redraft, you could probably work around it, especially if you're in like a, you know, 12 to 14 team where you're like, Oh, I'll take literally those two counting stats. Mm-hmm. Um, what you, what do you always say, Jake? Like the name of the game is accumulation, right? Right. So it's like you accumulate, you accumulate. I can work around the fact that he'll like hurt me in batting average. I can have somebody else to boost him. Um, just for the you know because it's redraft it's just for this year but from a dynasty standpoint it's like can i trade him what what could i actually get back for him uh is there a room for improvement where he actually can become better in like making better swing decisions and better contact or is this it and then like what do i do with the guy that, that puts up these types of stats um so yeah so that's just a little one-off that i think is interesting but um moving on we have in Oakland, a couple of debuts. So we have Zach Geloff and we had Tyler Soderstrom. Finally, with Tyler Soderstrom making his debuts, feel like we've been here about Soderstrom for like two and a half years at least. Uh, and he finally was making his debut. Uh, what do you make of Soderstrom and Geloff, uh, especially knowing kind of its own interesting mess that is Oakland for the time being um, and their ball club? Yeah, uh, Oakland is interesting because, like, you would I I've always like assumed that like certain players would just have all the playing time that they could want in Oakland because like there's no competition. But like I was looking at Seth Brown specifically the other day, and he's been playing sporadically, like almost not a clear like platoon. Like he doesn't only start or sit versus lefties, but um, he has been getting a t- he's been getting like less than twenty at bats a week. And for like a few weeks now, and I was like really shocked by that because like who's playing over Seth Brown, um, you know? And so I think that they're doing a lot more like platooning, rotating guys, and maybe it's kind of tryouts for next year, what what have you. But Geloff has actually been one of the few guys that's played most of the games recently. Um, Tony Kemp is like their bona fide leadoff hitter now, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, playing every day. And then Geloff has been in the two spot more often than not. Um, and so I think that he's the safer bet for playing time as it is right now, as long as he doesn't like 
completely fall off and offer them nothing. I think he'll kind of hold that. Uh, Soderstrom, on the other hand, uh, does has not played against lefties so far. Um, he's done some catching, some first base, some DH, um, which I think we kind of expected. But, um, you know, I think I would have assumed that Soderstrom would be getting more time um, or at least maybe getting a chance against lefties. But I think that the A's have kind of surprisingly been like a more of a team like the maybe the Twins or the Giants or the Rays where there's a ton of platooning and mixing and matching mm-hmm. happening. Uh, maybe not necessarily for the sake of winning like those other teams, but right. uh, just to, I guess, get guys in and, and see what they got, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that's the interesting thing with Soderstrom, right? It's like it, it always seemed like they didn't want to make him a full-time catcher because of his bat, and they wanted to save that. Um, right. And then they, they pick up uh, Langoliers, who is okay, you know, he's not really phenomenal at, at catching, you're not really phenomenal at hitting, you know, he's a, a, a little bit of power, and that's about it. Um, but he is more of a, like, that's your everyday catcher type. But then they, they went and grabbed Ryan Noda, and he was really their first baseman, uh, you know, moving Seth Brown more so in the outfield this year instead of that sort of uh, first base and outfield that he was doing last year. So Noda's been doing okay, right? I think um, I really was banking on him bringing a lot more power looking at what he had done historically in the Dodger system. Nat hasn't really shown up, but the on-base percentages has been there, right? He's kind of classic three true outcomes type of guy. Uh, so he knows how to work a walk. So there's been something there. He gets freak injury uh, fracturing his jaw and that kind of times it out with Soderstrom. But again, you assume, you know, he's going to come back and it sounds like he's actually going to come back maybe sooner than originally anticipated. So then what do you do with Soderstrom there? You're going to DH him. Okay. But like you said, you have like Rooker, you have, um, Seth Brown, like those guys have to get it back. So yeah, it is it is one of those like island of misfit toy type of deals uh in Oakland, which I guess is not that much of a surprise when you really think about it. Uh Gellov, I he kind of had jumped on my radar in I guess it was 2021. He had gotten drafted. He kind of made that weird jump where he went all the way up to triple A because they didn't have anybody to play in like the middle infield uh, because of injuries. And so they had promoted him just at like the very um, end of the season for like a handful of games. And he looked okay. You know, I think he ended up being like two for six or something like that, but you know, he got a couple hits and, and that was cool. Uh, 2022 was kind of uh, you were, I was anticipating at least a little bit more of like, Oh, that's kind of that was that the the carrot in front of him to be like, hey, you know, we could get you up here like legit if you perform. And I didn't really just see him really lay out the competition the way I guess I was hoping in 2022. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I know he's good defensively uh, playing shortstop, but from a fantasy standpoint, is he kind of like in that Freelix standpoint of like there's not a whole lot there to offer? Like in a deep league, it's good to have as another middle infielder. But outside of that, it seems like there's not really much there. Yeah, um, I yeah, I think that he's like good depth. Um, the one thing that I did see that I was surprised by was that he carried a 12% barrel rate AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like interesting because I didn't think that he had much like power in there. Right. Um, you know, and the... Is that PCO boosted though? Yeah, and I don't know how much like... PCL impacts exit velocity specifically. Right. Yeah. Right. I was having um, the same, I was questioning the same thing. I forget yeah. the player I was thinking about, but they were in the PCL and I was wondering like, 
I wonder if it impacts exit velocity. Right. Um, because like it's yeah, like you know, more balls will go over the fence, you know. But like, is there anything about like the you know um, the speed, the speed, and then the right. you know the air resistance, whatever the hell. Um, so yeah, so it's like so I was like, okay, that's I guess interesting. And so far, so far, he Gallup's been the better one of him and Soderstrom in the majors. Mm. Um, he's, um, I think so far it's like a nine point six percent barrel rate, which like it's not a huge sample. Um, but you know he's hitting a ton of fly balls. And I don't know, maybe he could kind of like get to some sneaky pop um, and give you like maybe a 15 to 20 homer pace for the rest of the season, um, like pace over 600 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think I'd rather I have him as a bench right now, but don't want to like rely on him. And if he gets hot, then that's cool. But, you know, it's like it's a bad team. It's right. a bad park, like, you know. And that's yeah, that's another thing too. bad ballpark. Um, moving on, n- more debuts. Uh, Trey Cabbage great name uh for the angels uh cabbage is a guy that had been around uh for a while as well and kind of had fallen uh further and further down kind of prospect rankings um as he sort of aged through just because you know a, a guy that seemed like mostly a first baseman i think he came in as a third baseman but seemed to be really more of a first baseman type as far as his lack of range his, his body type etc um big power but it was always a question of swing and miss can he make enough contact and it didn't seem like he could uh he had been kind of hanging out in that triple double a triple a level uh for the angels for a bit um not unsimilar to joe adele not necessarily the same ceiling as adele but kind of the same scenario right of just like is this guy just permanently a quad a sort of player um but he gets his he gets his shot and so far he's been doing something with it uh is there something there? Is this really just a hot streak? And we'll see, you know, the, the majors uh, figure him out, you know, in the next week or so. And then he kind of turns, no pun intended, but cabbage turns back into a pumpkin. Or yeah. is, is there really like, uh, you know, you could get something for next year if you invest in him now? Yeah, I think how we were just talking about Weimer, how he's like a 2020 candidate, um, but like nothing else. Right. And, and Weimer, he's, he's naturally, he's very, very fast. And like, that's absolutely legit. And the power, he doesn't actually hit the ball super hard. Um, I guess he just kind of like is efficient with his fly balls. Right. He like, but he, he hits homers, but it's just like, right. there's not much behind it where cabbage, there's a ton behind his power and there's not much behind his speed. Like he stole like 23 bases, I think in triple a so far this year. Um, but he's not actually like a super fast runner. Um, and so I think that he could, like maybe get himself on a 2020 full season pace. Um, but I think where he's just, he's just a liability everywhere else. Like looking, looking at his, like his contact uh, skills so far in, in a limited sample, but like it also happened at triple a, like we've always known this, that he's not mm-hmm. a great contact hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had it up. He, so he actually, he's so he swings at pitches in the zone 86% of the time. And the league average is 66, mm-hmm. but he makes contact with pitches in the zone 60% of the time. And the league average is 82. 80. That's going to sound <laughs> Wow. So that's a wow. horrible combination so far. Ooh, wow. Yeah. That's that's unique to be able to flip those two things. I'm right. Swing a ton in the zone, yeah. and but I'm going to miss. So, yeah, you way. don't want to see that. Um, on the other hand, though, like, you know, 15% bail rate, exactly what he had in AAA as well. Um, he already hit a ball 112.8 miles an hour, which is kind of like – uh, usually like 112 is like the threshold where you're like, okay, this is some significant raw raw pop that we're seeing. 
uh, over 400 on the ex- expected Wilbo on contact. You know, again, we're looking at a small sample, but like we also have the AAA numbers that say pretty much the same thing across the board. So it's right. like he's going to be a batting average liability, um, but he could get on a 2020 pace and he kind of plays on a good team. We'll see what happens with the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, the that's, that's, just, that's the thing, right? It's like if they blow it up, if they actually move Otani at the, at the deadline, all of a sudden you got to figure that things start to kind of rapidly fall in place like do they do they dump Estevez even though they just you know just grabbed him like does he get moved like do they start to just say like okay we got to start clearing clearing some guys out because you know Otani's out whatever they get back has to be a haul it'll probably never be enough quite honestly but right that's going to be kind of where you're building your next great team then you got to figure out okay Trout if he's essentially a lifer Mm -hmm. how do we kind of surround him in a way that we can kind of ease him into the DH like left field role. Cause he probably can't play center every day now that he like, as we see him picking up injuries and, and those being sustained for much longer periods of time. Um, so yeah, it, it could potentially open up playing time for a guy like uh, Trey Cabbage. I have Mickey Moniak because I was lacking and I picked him up a few months ago and somehow that's been working out i still don't know how that's happening because he's still striking out at like a 30 percent clip but he runs into he runs into balls enough that he's he hits homers and he's athletic enough and still quite young i think he's 23 right um that they're giving him run in the outfield especially with trout being uh you know in the other lineup with injuries so yeah angel is definitely a team to watch uh for obvious reasons with otani but um, the the reverberations of that right. really go a lot of different ways just for that team, let alone right. for the rest of the league. Yeah. Also, so if you quick question, if you had to rank these four, these four guys, rest of season, Freelich, Geloff, Soderstrom, Cabbage, how would you do it? Oh, uh, let's see. I would go. I'm going to go four to one. So I'm going to go last. I'm. Even with everything that we just said, I'm still going to go Cabbage 4. Okay. I'm going to go Sodastrom 3 mm-hmm. and Geloff 2 and Freelick 1, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprising myself as I say this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and I'll be completely transparent. Like These are four guys that I've I know roughly of, but at some point in time, I stopped paying attention to. That's literally what it is. I just stopped paying attention to them as prospects. And therefore I can't even tell you of like what their next, you know, step is or how they're going to get to whatever their best case outcome is. It's they're literally just four black holes in my brain. Just, I got nothing for you. It's, it's a lot of prospect fatigue, you know, guys have been around for a while and really gotten the shot, you know, like Freelick, I think a lot of people thought we're going to get the chance way earlier this year. Um, Oh yeah. And Weimer there too. I was going to say that that's what it seemed like, right? It was like, Oh, Freelick, then maybe Mitchell Weimer, like, you know, we'll see. I know Weimer, you know, kind of set the world on fire and really boosted his prospect rankings in 2021 and so going into last year it was like oh okay this guy but like mitchell and freelick are the guys right like they're higher draft picks they're more the pedigree guys um and mitchell was the one that really won out the job and we talked about this previously like probably was making a pretty decent rookie of the year case before he gets injured Mm -hmm. um 
and yeah, and who would have thought that Freelick would have been the last guy out of those three right. to get the call? So, right. yeah, yeah, I guess I go with him at the top, but like, I'm not confident in that at all. Yeah, yeah. I'd say in general, they're all useful as bench bats like 15 teamers right now for redraft dynasty i think like you know same thing kind of keep them on your bench don't commit to playing them every day on in 15 teamers or 14 teamers and above maybe on 12 teamers i don't think they're rosterable rosterable in redraft right now and if you have them in dynasty and you have a bit of a roster crunch like if your league requires you to like um you know take players from your minor spots and like put them on your major league roster like you have to drop a major league player for these guys like I can see not keeping them, you know, right. um, open up that spot. Instead. Yeah. Right. Like you held on to them to see like what they were about. Like they could have been more. And I think at this point they're not at least right now. And they'll, you'll probably have a chance to get them back later, you know, like someone else or someone else can take a shot and waste the space. Um, right. If you have to make that decision, I think right now it's like, yeah, not quite worth it in 12 teamers and lower. Interesting. Uh, moving through before we head into, uh break um so pitching promotions you know this has been like the year of the rookie pitcher or so it seemed right we just saw just guy after guy from april to june just person after person after person getting a call up getting a call up uh some of them going well some of them not too well some of them mixed bag but just boom 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 and then all of a sudden all-star break hit and we're post all-star break and we're like well why are these guys still at the level that they're at um I am in the midst of writing. So by the time you guys hear this, uh, the the um, week, I guess week 12, week 13, I'm blanking on it right now, but um, the newest prospect watch list article will be out um, and it will be a two week article. Cause I, I you know, kind of took the break for the all-star break. So we'll kind of wrap up post all-star to now. And I was trying to justify not having Drew Thorpe as my pitcher of the, week but just based on what he's done in the two starts in that time period like i can't really come up with a reason not to but it's also like probably shouldn't be at, at high a anymore right. <laughs> like i watched his start i watched half of his his most recent start where he had what uh, 13 strikeouts or something like that um and i watched like half of that and it's just like yeah he's just doing whatever he wants to do with like 20 year olds and 21 year olds it's just and i get you know he got drafted and put at high a to start um but again i look at chase hampton and like chase hampton a lot and i think chase hampton may have a higher i I went on record saying i think he's going to end this in the year as the best yankees pitching prospect i still believe that but now it's almost more so because of the difference of level and not necessarily talent. Cause I would love to see him and Thorpe back together again at the same level, just like they were um, with the Hudson Valley team in high a to really see them both kind of go tit for tat against the same hitters. Now there's that difference. Um, just that natural uh, differentiator of, of them being at two different levels. And for Thorpe, I'm like, move this guy up and let's see what he really does right especially he's a change-up guy i know especially because of gavin stone a lot of people are like oh change up first guys we're off of um i think with thorpe i mean i, I quite honestly I, i'm a fan but i think he's going to be in the same scenario as stone and maybe he can learn mm-hmm. faster than stone is where it's going to be a matter of his fastball doesn't have a lot of giddy up um it really does play off of him being able to 
uh, throw the change at well and the slider. I think his command is probably as good, if not better than Stones, and that at least right now. So that could be a way to kind of help him. He just throws a lot of strikes. But yeah, it's going to be all the same sort of learning curves there. Uh, it, you you point out Patrick Monteverde for um, Miami just got promoted to AAA. He's been dominating kind of all this year, qu- sort of quietly. Um, so what do you, anything that you've read or any sort of insight that you have about why or something we've just seen? Is it is it like an innings cap thing or what? What do you think is leading to some of this? Whereas like it was like fast tracking guys in the first yeah. like either three months and now it's just like nope, nobody else. Right. It's I don't know, it was um it could be I don't have a like a I don't know, like it's like I guess a straight answer and even though I've been like paying attention to this pretty consistently because I like writing the weekly article about it, um it, it just feels like all of the guys that we knew about going into the season have already done it. And mm-hmm. it just and it happened, I think, quicker than people expected. Um and maybe I think part of that was that teams specifically on the West coast don't want the pitchers to pitch in the PCL. So mm-hmm. guys like Wu, um, got quick, quick promotions there. Um, guys that are in the PCL have struggled like Kyle Harrison. Um, and so I think that that definitely impacts it. Um, there's been a ton of injuries at the major league level, um, uh, potentially with the pitch clock, um, or like the, you know, new rules, mm-hmm. what have you. You know, so like I think that's kind of come into it too. Is like guys have or teams have needed replacements and have been, I think, more willing to fill that those gaps with with rookie pitchers. Um, but then it just kind of like it was going to dry up at some point because of just like the pace that it was happening at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just kind of like everyone was like ready at the same time, and you, know, you get guys up early in the year. And I think that now, I think you know between the All Star break. And then the trade deadline, we have this lull. And I think that we'll start to see it more after the trade deadline when more opportunities open up. You know, either guys are dealt to new opportunities or starters ahead of these these guys are, are just traded away. Yeah. Um, and so I think we'll start to see it more. I think it's just kind of like a natural kind of like the way Speed the season. Bump. Yeah. You know, like the all-star break, you know, some guys were in the futures game. It's mm-hmm. great time to rest your pitchers. Like a lot of guys, a lot of rookie pitchers that I've been looking at have gotten like two, three week breaks in the middle here, um, you know, for innings and making sure that, you know, guys aren't overworked and you already have some days built in there. So there's been some skip starts and whatnot. Um, so I think it's just kind of like more of like a midseason pause, some load management, and then also just getting ready for the trade deadline. Um, and then I think after that, we'll start to see a lot more again. That makes a lot of sense uh let's jump into uh let's do this let's take a break because we're already at, at 30 minutes in let's take a break come back we'll try to run as quickly as we can through fypd ranking stuff and then get into your questions so stay tuned right after this fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss that's why noom has created weight management programs that are made to last Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 
98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we are back. And um, we both were able to put out uh, FYPD rankings. I know, Jake, you were, because you're on the ball, you were able to put it out um, a few uh, days before, or actually a few weeks before. I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, And then I was able to catch up and just recently put mine out. But we had some guys that we were differing on that we wanted to kind of talk through. I know the first one you have is Arjun Namala. Yeah, I noticed, um, let's see here, try to pull it up real quick. I, um, thanks to Twitter doing all of the change, it's, or thanks to X doing all of the <laughs> new changes. I like got signed out of it on my um, laptop. And so now I have to get to it on my phone to see the rankings for both of us. Um, so I had Namala at 12, um, which I thought was like fairly aggressive. Um, and then you have him here at even higher at number seven. Six. Number six. Number six? Yeah. I think it says it says seven here. Oh, no, you're right. Seven. I'm looking at the wrong rankings. I'm looking at the wrong rankings of my own. I told no you I have hitters and pitchers. Ah, uh, yes. Right. Hitter, hitter wise, I have him at six, but yes, overall, I have him at seven. Yes. Um, so I would, yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts about why he got pushed up even a little further than, yeah. than what I was thinking. Cause I think when we, when we did the draft episode earlier, I was just talking about like his upside, mm-hmm. um, and how that would come through with like, you know, I think he had a lot of power for a shortstop prospect and, um, yeah. What's your take there? Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what sold me as I, and, and I'll sort of couch it in the, for me, at least, I won't. I won't speak for your rankings. For me, these are like very much first reactions. There's a lot mm-hmm. that can change, especially right. when it comes to hitters. Once we see them in, you know, some some rookie ball or maybe even low A, high, depending on how teams, you know, aggressive teams want to get with their assignments to finish out this year. Um, so that will definitely impact where these these guys are. I want to take a snapshot and then like have more updated rankings to show the movement uh, in in probably by the end of this season into, you know, January and, and FYPD time uh, to show mm-hmm. all that movement around. But for just right now, um, that upside is really what sold me. And I really try to talk myself down of like, okay, some of these other, like, especially collegiate hitters, um, we're going to talk about, you know, Brian Taylor, Tommy Troy, who I really like, Matt Shaw even. Like, yeah, why won't, why won't I move those guys up and have Namala kind of, you know, under them? Right. But... Uh, quite honestly, when I looked at video and it was, you know, all the video that's available, YouTube, Twitter, et cetera, like all the stuff that's available to everybody. I don't have anything special. Um, but it, he looks so comfortable in, in that bass that he was taking. Like, so not just the bad and practice stuff, like everybody looks good. It's kind of like the, the adage about, um, football training camp. Like everybody looks good in shorts, like (laughs) shorts and no pads. Like batting practice, I really those videos I really only watch just to see like actual just mechanical stuff, right? Um, because you know you're getting it's batting practice. You're literally getting the best possible pitches to right. hit, so it's not a game situation. But when I'm looking at game situation, like his perfect game stuff and and where he was playing and, and showcase, um, so comfortable 
very easy swing and the ball moves like you were saying the ball moves as is and you can look at his frame and tell he still has some strength that he can put on and if he can put that strength on maintain the skills that he's shown what seems to be pretty advanced um and continue to play shortstop and i know um maybe this is bad process I, i'll be honest but i'm somebody that looks at the defensive positions of players because yes i understand that they don't accumulate stats for us in fantasy but they do have an impact sometimes positively, sometimes negatively when it comes to who gets those at bats that can give you those stats. We just talked about Soderstrom where the uh, A's want to play him versus Geloff who plays a really good shortstop. When you have somebody that plays really good shortstop or really good outfield, or really good third base, those premium positions, they're going to get more at bats, even if they're not doing well to start because the teams know that on the other side of the ball, they're not losing out. When you don't right. play a premium position or you don't play a position well defensively mm-hmm. and you're not hitting, that's when you see the the um, attempts dry up for guys because now right. the team has to look and say, where can we put you? We can't put you in center because you're not actually a center fielder. We have to put you on left. And you don't hit well enough to be a left fielder versus these other guys that we have, right? And then that's when you get into platooning. Well, you not only do you not hit well enough overall, you don't hit lefties well. So then we can only play against righties on this time. And then all of a sudden being able to forecast a 600, you know, over a 600 uh, uh, plate appearance or, or at bat season trying to forecast that, it shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And for young guys young hitters especially that they need the max amount of plate appearance they can get to adjust so you don't want you don't want them to be shrinking from the get-go we talk about margin of error all the time on the show that's another area where it talks about margin of error give me the guy that is going to be able to play 100 plus games um at a especially at a premium position and be able to fail and get better and adjust and fail again and adjust because defensively he's going to be solid if not really good. And the model is that he appears to be that type of guy. I'm going to be very interested to see. Um, he's one of a, a slew of people that I want to see obviously play professionally, um, but specifically to see that some of that bad at ball data, if he plays in um, rookie ball, which I imagine he would start rookie ball and then get into low A. Once he gets into low A, uh, Toronto's low A team is in Florida coast league. So they should have savant data available. And I'll be very interested to see some of that uh, advanced batter ball metrics once he gets to that that point but it really was that upside play that you were talking about um, with him uh, regarding uh, Arjun Namala okay yeah yeah no I can absolutely see that um, and yeah I, and I found it really interesting that you had him above both you know Tommy Troy and Matt Shaw specifically because those are guys that we've been talking about yeah. um, on a few episodes that we've done for for college guys and yeah you know but that's it right it's like the if we're talking about right now um you know being aggressive in in our sort of first reactions to to where guys are and you know how we feel mm-hmm. his upside Namala's upside versus Shaw and Choi's is yeah. way higher the floor obviously is much higher when it comes to i would actually say arguably Matt Shaw has the highest floor out of those 3 if we're just talking about those 3 players yeah i would argue that Matt Shaw probably has the highest floor then Troy and then Namala. Um, but the the upside, it goes in the other order. And that's why I have them, Namala, and then I have Troy nine and then Shaw at 11. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And then the next guy that I noticed here that, again, I thought that I was a little higher on um, was Brady and Taylor. 
He was drafted 19th overall by the Rays, uh, third baseman out of TCU. And I had him at 14th, and you have him right behind Mala. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, that one probably could, could, that one is probably one that I could easily be talked into changing, like right now, quite honestly. When we talked about the Troy, you know, Troy's and Shaw's and even Kyle Teal, um, and then it becomes like I have your handy Morales at number thirteen. Like, do I put mm-hmm. Taylor or, or Morales? Like, especially as third basements, like where do I put them? So I could probably be talked into that right now and, and bumping him way down. I think at the time that I was putting this together and looking at, uh, again looking at video, reading the the scouting reports that are available, um, I really do like the the swing. I like his all fields approach. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me. It's him, and there's one other player we're not going to get into, but just um, uh, where is he at? Uh, Cole Emerson. Those two mm-hmm. swing wise um, kind of reminded me of like Colson Montgomery and like okay. being able to spray the ball around. And I think with Taylor specifically, uh, especially because he's he's done it already at the collegiate level, showing the power that can come with that. So it's not just the doubles sort of right. swing, but there's actual pop and loft that comes with that type of swing. Uh, that's what intrigued me. And again, third base, that is, uh, you know, it's not an up the up the middle position, but it's kind of like the next best premium position that you can have. Uh, I will say the other reason I can be taught down is because race, right? And like we all know, platooning and just everything that you just talked about um, earlier, that can always happen um, at any point in time with any race player, especially the the younger guy. So I, that that one, I'm probably namala i feel more comfortable like standing on right now and be like no his upside is is like he could be even higher like i have him six and he could end up being Mm -hmm. one of the three or four best players out of this draft taylor is one where i'm like yeah i have him at eight and yeah he could be 14 like he could be anywhere in that range you could definitely talk me down i'm I'm softer on that one okay yeah and it's funny because the rays it's it kind of sucks for like hitting prospects specifically with a raise because they're so good at developing hitters. Mm. They're so good at developing hitters and specifically getting guys to hit the ball hard um, and just make the most out of their, their swings. You know, they're very good at working with people individually. Um, But then at the same time, they just platoon so much that it's like, even if you have these skills, they're not going to let you, they're going to again, put you in situations very Mm -hmm. specifically to succeed. And that usually comes with less playing time. So Mm -hmm. it's just such a, like a catch 22 there. Um, But then moving on, we'll do two, Two guys that are a little deeper, two guys that I'm not familiar with super, um, super much there. And the first that you had here that I was interested in is Ryan Lasko um, out of Rutgers outfielder. And where did you have him here? I got him at 26. 26. 26. So ahead Um, of other outfielders, uh, Dylan Head. Yep. And wow, it's actually the last outfielder for a while. so yeah, yeah. I got him. I got him ahead of guys like Brock Wilkin. Yeah, Brock Miller, Wilkin, uh, Jacob uh, Wilson. I have him ahead of those. You know, some some other names to know. The college bats. Yeah, um, yeah. And so for me, with uh, Lasco, part of that is I, I can actually kind of talk almost backwards. So part of that is with Wilkin and Wilson specifically. I think the power is is legit in both those bad Wil- Wilkin especially. Um, the hit tool and how that's going to progress is where I have questions with, with those two individuals. And so that's kind of 
what pushed them down. And so that's the other thing with this being a kind of a reactionary list is some of it is about who am I pushing down? And so somebody has to fill in <laughs> like the, the gaps above. And then some of it is who am I pushing up? And so some guys just naturally tumble down. Um, it, and that seems kind of like no dub, but uh, that can make a, a difference between slotting certain people in, um, especially to off off the jump where we don't have any, you know, pro ball data to look at or pro ball video to look at. Um, so anyways, with, after that preamble to get into Lasko, um, I don't like the, the team that he got drafted by because he got drafted by the A's. <laughs> we just talked about that. So I'm not a big fan of that, but, uh, I like his upside as far as being able to probably best case scenario, be able to give you, you know, three to four categories really strongly. I think he has really good hit tool and I think he has a potential to grow into power. Um, if you read the scouting reports, there's all, there's been a question about some swing miss and some pitch recognition. And so that I think is going to be a big differentiator there versus him being um, Brandon Nemo is the player that keeps coming to mind. Uh, as far as just a guy that's going to be like, hi, Brandon who? Brent, like the outfielder for the Mets? Yeah. Not the fish? It sounded no, like you said Brandon Nemo. <laughs> no, not Nemo. I always pronounce it Nemo. Is it Nemo? I th- I've always heard it as a Nemo. I've always pronounced it differently. Okay, well. Okay, well, thank you for providing that, Lamar. I really yeah, enjoyed that. Thank I you. Always heard it as Sorry to interrupt. Continue. Um, no, no, no. That's, that's, I don't know. Now I have to look it up. Um, But just as a guy that like has some, says some pop, but it's really more so on base skills. Uh, playing, being able to play, you know, two to three of the outfield positions very well. It looks like Lasko can play center. Um, they actually talk up his arm uh, as being a potential right fielder. So, little, you know, something a little bit different there. But the other thing that I like is his right hand swing is so simplified and so easy that I could see it being now again he's in Oakland so I don't know that this is going to happen but potentially I could see it being something where it's like a slight tweak not really much for him to be able to like lift and drive balls and get into power and then all of a sudden he has really good foot speed now again we just talked about 2020 guys like now you're talking about 2020 guy that actually has a good batting average and you know good to even like really good on base uh percentage that's you know like i said before two three four categories um that he's able to provide value so i'm kind of banking on you know some some projecting and some like wish casting there uh versus again some of the guys like uh wilkin like a wilson and even the other high school guys that we were talking about like uh dylan head or i mentioned Cole emerson before um Aiden Miller, obviously, I have him. I think lower than some some other places that already start putting him. So you know, uh, that is some wish casting there, and we'll see. That that definitely, if if when I do this in between November and January, if Lasco is somewhere at like thirty six instead of twenty six, I won't be that surprised. <laughs> yeah, I won't be like, oh, what happened there? It'll be like, okay, I was overly yeah. aggressive. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you like as long as you see some sort of like some path to value, right? Like what can he contribute? Um, like, Oh, if he does that, like he could unlock some more power. If he, you know, starts hitting the ball in the air a little bit more or whatnot, like 
you want guys that like you know what you're going to get out of them and your specific things you're looking for to see improvements on and, and then you could like buy in even further you know so um so yeah i mean like if you're going to take a shot and like pay attention to a guy someone that you could be like yeah like i could see how this how this value is going to be created um but yeah that makes sense on, on let's go there or last go there um and then one last guy for fypd stuff before we take a break and move on to the submitted questions um Joe Whitman from Kent State, uh, left-handed pitcher, and what he was one of your last three on your yep. rankings, like that just made the top fifty. Yeah, um, where was he drafted? Do you know? You said when was he drafted? Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can grab that for you. Let's go to. I want to say it was second round. I just don't know exactly what pick. I could be wrong about that too. Going to the draft tracker. Let's see how fast my computer wants to move. Um, but yeah, the, one of the reasons why I'm kind of uh, vamping here, one of the reasons why I have him, uh, this draft was low on pitching uh, again and definitely low on left-handed pitching, uh, I think, again. So he kind of ends up, I think, if you look around, um, he ended up being like the second or third best lefty um, pitcher uh, as far as yeah. rankings are concerned. Uh, and so some of that was just kind of acknowledging um that ability but when i'm looking at again scouting reports and looking at some video i like the fact that in scouting reports especially um yeah he was a comp pick second round he was pick number 69 huh. okay um but the the thing that i like about him is fastball um plays up um but the slider his willingness to throw it at both, you know, uh, both sides of the plate, right? Righties and lefties. I think that's what I like. Um, so him being able to command that is a matter of can he build in the third pitch? I'm looking at the, I'm on the MLB.com draft tracker right now. And so they have their own scouting report and it talks about change up features, some fade and sync, lags behind the other two uh, being the fastball and the slider in terms of consistency because didn't use it much. I mean, he's with the Giants. I I trust them being able to build in him being able to throw a changeup, uh, yeah. at least a, a league average changeup to go with a, a good fastball and a really good slider, and so it just becomes like, is his upside super duper high? Maybe not, but again, in that organization with what they've done with, I, I put Harrison in the notes. Harrison kind of doesn't count because of his pedigree, but uh, Wizen Hunt we see rise up, Birdsong we're seeing rise, Landon Rope. Um, who's the other person I put one Mason Black. Yeah, Mason Black is another one. And the, you know, it's a mix. It's righties and lefties in that mix. Yeah. But the, what the, they have consistently is they have the building blocks, right? They have a couple of things. They have the the build. They have a couple of things with their pitches and and the the pitch design. And then the Giants just go in and kind of tweak and tweak and build and build. And now all of a sudden we have, you know, I don't think people saw Carson Wizen Hunt. Um, jumping up this high this soon right i don't think anybody had uh hayden birdsong like as a thing and right. when you look at his strikeout numbers they're ridiculous uh mason black i've talked about him like he went from i think last year being like uh back in guy probably still a reliever and now you can see a path he's not solidified it yet but i think you can see a path where he could be a middle of the rotation type player so Whitman kind of falls into that same patch. So this is kind of a boost uh, due to team context as much as personal talent, right? I think if 
Whitman had been drafted by the A's or had been drafted by, um, I don't know, the White Sox. No, no, no shots at the White Sox. But like, <laughs> you know, a, a team like that where it's kind of like uh, it's a little bit more iffier and if they can extract all the goodness out of what he already has and, and build a, upon those things, I think then, yeah, I probably wouldn't have him in my top 50. But knowing that he has kind of like the exact set of tools that work with an organization like the Giants, it's easy for me to see him in two to three years being, oh, this guy, is he top 100? No, probably not, but he's probably top 150. And if he gets to the league, he's probably going to fall. I mean, we see, saw it with Logan Webb. Like, nobody was on Logan Webb. He came up, he was awful the first time, but mm-hmm. he had enough. Next time around, boom, now he's he's become a serviceable starter, right? Um, and from a fancy standpoint, middle rotation type of guy, type of guy that you would want to have, not your, not your ace, but you would love to have him as the third or fourth pitcher in your fantasy rotation. Um, especially from a dynasty standpoint. So that's Joe Whitman for me, at least right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I love like if, if you're going to bet on, you know, some again, like late round guys, another thing, the organization, do you trust the organization to, to mm-hmm. get late rounders, push them through, add to their arsenals? Um, and I think we've seen it enough with the Giants so far, just like you said, where like I am, you know, much more willing to buy into that than someone else. Um, yeah. You know, so no, that's good. And uh, I think that does it with our FYBD stuff. We'll obviously come back to it later um, as we've taken more time to look at guys. As some guys, we actually see some guys in game action, mm-hmm. um, you know, as the season comes to an end. So uh, we'll definitely have some more updates there with FYPDs in the off season. But um, I think that'll close the book on the FYPD stuff for immediately after the draft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's do this. Uh, we're going to take another little mini break. And I promise we're going to get to questions right after this. All right, mini break over. We are back. Let's get into questions. We let's give the people what they came for. They asked us questions. Let's give them some answers. Uh, I I have these written out, but I have no particular order that I want to go in. So Jake, if if you see anything that jumps to mind first and foremost, we can start with that. Um. Uh. Let's see here. I that was a Sal Freelick related question, wasn't there? There was, and it was funny because it was uh, asking about when he would get the call up, and then he got the call up like yeah. pretty much immediately after. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Gabe. That's that's yes. Gabe uh, from the uh, the Dynasty Baseball subreddit. Their their Discord server. He asked me that question literally the day of Freelix call up. He asked me the question, <laughs> and then he pinged me like two hours later. I was like. Uh, never mind. He got called out. So I guess maybe. So if anyone was waiting for the free look promotion, you could thank Gabe for drinking right. for like there jinxing you it. You know, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, he did ask. So just to, to to give him credit, he asked. You know, what's what's his call up timetable? Um, Noah's call up was derailed from his injury. He hit well uh, with the um, Brewers DSL. I don't know if he was with DSL. He probably would have been with the rookie league. I don't think they would have sent him to Dominican Republic. But um, but yeah, with with the rookie league Brewers um during his rehab, but since he came back, he was slashing two forty eight, three thirty seven, three forty six. Uh, so I think yeah, we we kind of covered free look as a whole, um, game. But um, you know, I would be curious. The, I guess the other thing, just to add a little bit to it, is I would be curious to see what the Brewers do if they do fall out of contention. And then knowing 
that they have Garrett Mitchell, you know, hypothetically at least coming back healthy next year. Like mm-hmm. anyway, like would you would you foresee them moving a a Freelick, a Weimer, a Terang, maybe even yours? Like one of those still pretty young guys that seem like he, they're going to be part of their core. But maybe yeah. they ship them if like quite honestly, if this Red Series, if they get swept and all of a sudden I, that would put the Reds on top, right? That would put the Reds on top and and then now and maybe yeah. they look and say we just we don't have it and it's mm-hmm. not gonna happen. Um you know, do you see them shipping out one or two of these guys and just being like, Hey, let's let's see yeah. what we can get for them and just kind of plan for next year. We have Garrett Mitchell, so it's not like we're hurting for outfielder. Um, yeah well the thing is is like you it's they have such a they've i think they have so many holes in the roster it's kind of hard to like address a strength or like trade from a strength to address a need because like i think you almost maybe want to lean on your strengths because like you don't have a lot of them um and so you're just kind of like yeah sounds like my fantasy team (laughs) (laughs) there's so many holes (laughs) yeah like how do you how do you really rebuild that you know and it's like they have spots for the guys um if you Include DH if all of them are healthy. You know, Yelich, uh, maybe Yelich goes to DH because he's had some like, back issues and he's getting a little older. He'll be 32 next year. So maybe Yelich goes to DH and then you have three young, speedy, good defensive studs in the outfield with, you know, Weimer and Freelich and um, and Mitchell after he comes back from injury. So I don't think you'd necessarily need to move these guys, um, mm-hmm. especially since I don't think there's a lot behind them, you know, coming up. Mm-hmm. But as far as trade pieces though, they're probably the best ones they have if they want to get better. Um, you know, if they want to do address something else on their roster. So maybe I'm maybe I'm taking Gabe's question and I'm asking it the wrong way. So maybe if this series actually worked out in the Brewers' favor and they end up on top, uh, you know, kind of solidifying their position in NL Central. Maybe then they go and they look out in the marketplace and think we can be buyers. Then would they potentially send out one of the younger guys to? I, I still I'm still with you as far as there's holes. They go and send out one of the younger guys to maybe get one more pitcher to help them out in the rotation because Peralta, they could use it. Yeah, yeah, they've been kind of off. So maybe that's what they do. Is so is there maybe that possibility? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, either way, I think that like Freelix playing time specifically, um, I think could be pretty good if he hits for more average. I think that's something that the Brewers offense in general lacks um, is just like some some batting average stability. Um, so I think maybe he's the one they keep and they ship off like Weimer because like Weimer and Mitchell have pretty similar skill sets. They also have like Luis Arias, who is like a batting average liability, Rowdy Telez. Um you know, they like they don't have even a, like Adamas, same thing. Um, they have like Yelich, who's like the table setter, you know. But like other than that, they have a, kind of like one kind of profile of hitter. Um, and so, yeah, maybe they ship off Weimer. Um, and because like you can't really get much for Witch- Mitchell right now. Um, so, yeah, maybe keep keep Freelick, ship Weimer. Someone sees the power speed and thinks it's intriguing, you know. Um, I think that's possible, yeah. Okay. Um, moving on. So we have two questions that are kind of related to Christian Encarnacion Encarnacion Strand. Uh, one question is kind of simple. This is from at Bdubs12 uh, from the Fantasy Baseball subreddit Discord server, and he asks, 
or they ask, I should say, uh, CES, so International Strand, or Torkelson for Dynasty? Yeah, I, I'm going with Torkelson um, because he's been on fire recently. It's a little bit of like what you've done for me lately. Um, and he has a bit more MLB experience under his belt. And I think that he's like had his adjustment period. And I think that he's like now building on kind of like the skills that we've already always known he's had. He's hitting for better average recently. Um, Casey Bubba mentioned on the first pitch podcast uh, Monday morning that Torkelson's been on an absolute heater. Um, he's been hitting like 270 over the last like month or so, I think he said. So uh, now he's he's always kind of had that like pop when he can get to the ball. Um, he's a 12% barrel rate this year. Average exit velocity is great. Um, hard hit. He has almost a 50% hard hit rate, which is ridiculous. Um, you know, but it's just always been like he hasn't made enough contact, uh, struck out a bit too much, and, um, you know, like too many ground balls. Uh, but now he has a 26% line drive, 31% fly ball, 32% ground ball. That's a fantastic distribution mm-hmm. for a power hitter. Um, and in Comerica, like it's going to hurt you a little bit, but. I think that he kind of he has that raw power to like kind of get past it a little bit. Um, it'll still always affect him, but I I like um, I like Torkelson there and Cronacio Strand. Like he has a way better ballpark, mm-hmm. um, but it's unclear where he fits into the team right now. Um, doesn't really have a position. Uh, they have a lot of infielders who I'm sure they're going to trade one, but like unclear how that goes down yet. Um, and yeah, I think that he was kind of the last one up for a reason. You know, like. He's kind of the least exciting dynamic out of the guys that they have. He has mm-hmm. good power, but um, I think I kind of know more about Torkelson right now and like what I'm seeing with all the adjustments he's made um, and what he's been doing recently at the major league level. You know, yeah, I think um, I think you may have convinced me. I, I was leaning more in Carnacio Strand, and I, I've never really been super high on him, but I was just leaning on him, like I said, because of the ballpark and the lineup. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you may have convinced me with Torgelson has had the, I mean, a pretty rough patch, right? Like he, he had a pretty down, uh, really overall season and been able to make the adjustment, right? It's always about the adjustment to the adjustment. He's already done that and done it so far quite well. And now he's on the upswing. Um, it's I, So I guess you convinced me I would say Torgelson if, if, if I have to choose. Uh, if I didn't have to choose, I, I would say it's more of a push because I think those factors of Detroit's lineup, not that great in the ballparks, not that great. Um, and so he has the sort of um, adjustment boost, but then he gets the detractors because of those two things. Yeah. And then CES is right on the other side, right? He hasn't had to make the adjustment yet, but he does get the boost because of uh, the lineup in the um, in the ballpark. Uh, the other related question is uh, coming from us from at B aggressive, B E E aggressive, B aggressive, yeah, okay, yeah, it's B E E, so but um, also from the fantasy baseball uh, discord. So he, uh, this person says, just that, um, now that CS is up, is there anyone to look out for in redraft? And I told this person I'm going to send it straight your way because you're the redraft maven out of the two of us. So is there anyone to look out for in redraft? I know that Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, and Gasser, Robert Gasser, are ones, but are there any others? And so yes. you have hitters and you have pitchers. What yes. do you got? Uh, yeah, I got two hitters, two pitchers. Uh, first is Curtis Mead, um, who I, you know everyone expected him to be up a lot sooner. I think I, w- if you asked me before the season, I would have said he'd be up in 
June at the latest, you know, like he was really tracking that way. Um, but he had a, I think it was a wrist injury mm-hmm. that really, really set him back. I mean, he was struggling through that. He was out for, I think a little over a month. Um, and even after he came back from that injury, it wasn't like an initial, like, Oh, everything is fixed. But after the all-star break, I think, you know, he probably got some time to rest, um, you know, work more on like what he'd been seeing at the plate, you know, after being back away for so long. And since he's been back, he's been great. Uh, looking at the the stash list for hitters uh, written by Matt Heckman um, at pitcher list here. Um, he let's see, he has um, he has Meade ranked third on his top 10 hitter prospects to stash for redraft. And he has this stat in here um, that he, so Meade's already, he's raised his AAA weighted runs created plus up to 110. And his, um, his batted ball data is more towards what we saw uh, before the season, or like last season. Um, and that, uh, let's see here. And that um, Brandon, he has an interesting point here that Brandon Lau has only been facing righties, but he's also been playing really badly against righties. And so mm-hmm. it could be a spot where they, you know, give give Meade a chance at second base there, um, who I don't think he would be platooned. Um, so I think that he he could get some run and uh, he looks a lot better. He looks more like the guy that we thought he was before the season recently, which is, you know, again, with like if you're going to bet on someone getting called up, it's what have they been doing recently? You know, a team's not going to promote someone who's struggling. So um, he looks really good. And then also Mason Wynn has been on fire recently as mm-hmm. well um, at AAA. And he's been on a little more than like a 2020 pace over the last uh, uh, month or so. And I think that he is, um, I, I mean, he's going to hit for good average. He's fantastic defensively. So mm-hmm. he can get that playing time. I think that, um, like right now, Tommy Edmund is injured. I don't think it'll be, he'll be out the whole season. Um, so that's not really a spot that's like going to be open forever, but um, he, you know, could get a chance there if whoever's backing, backing Edmund up is, uh, isn't performing as well. Uh, even second base, they've been like, like Donovan's played there a bit, but like Donovan's not necessarily like an impact bat or even like impact speed or defensive guy. Right. He's kind of like, it does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, Gorman, we know isn't great defensively at second base. So I think there's definitely room for him on the infield. And um, he's been doing great recently as well. Again, from that stashless article, um, Matt has him ranked ninth, um, just appearing this week after going on a hot stretch uh, since May 1st, win is slashing 309, 381, 494 with 10 homers and eight steals. And that's in like what, two and a half months. Um, great pace. And then in just the month of July, he's hitting 387. So he's getting hot at the right time. You never know what could happen with the trade deadline. The Cardinals have, I mean, people have been talking about maybe um, Arenado or Goldschmidt being shipped off. Mm. Maybe Arenado goes, maybe uh, Gorman goes a third, Edmund to second and win at short. You know, mm. I think that's definitely a possibility. So I think I'm more interested in win than I was, you know, a few weeks ago. I think I'd kind of like put him on the yeah. back burner. If they were to ship Arenado out, which would that would be interesting, would they bring Walker back to third? And maybe uh, put they Walker too. Yeah. Maybe yeah, put yeah. in left. And either maybe, way, yeah, either way, I think it opens up a spot. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard that the, you know possibly shopping Arenado. That would, hmm, that would be fascinating. Yeah, because I mean, they're both like they're both like 32, 33, 34. Oh yeah, yeah. So, you know, just, and like that doesn't I don't, you know? seem very Cardinals esque to have made the move to get 
either one of those guys that they did where they i mean they got them for essentially dirt cheap in in both cases really mm-hmm. um and then to kind of pull the plug a couple of years in um because i mean that that's like major rebuild type of movement there and the cardinals tend yeah. to not go in for like the major rebuild it tends to be tweaks and yeah that's true but what you know true. like i don't see where their pitching is going no right. one no one strikes anyone out not even their prospects they've recently yeah. been horrible even the guys that are you know like yeah. libertor has strikeout stuff but it hasn't really been striking people out you know like we thought yeah. Graceffo had more strikeout stuff yeah. but recently it's been rough he's been yeah. like like two or three k per nine uh yeah. last few starts so it's like yeah, I feel like they need to shake something up because the roster is like surprisingly old with how young it is. And mm-hmm. su- and just the Cardinals have always had way better pitching than this, you know? So maybe they just kind of get cause really tired of it because they've been so bad compared to expectations. Uh, a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had pitchers there too. Sorry. Yeah. I yeah. got so off the rails with, uh, yeah, that's okay. We so excited with those guys. Finals. That's okay. Um, I'll be a little quick with the pitchers. So pitchers, Connor Phillips, um, with the reds, um, has been on fire recently. Um, I think he needed just an had, adjustment period. Yeah. Just had like a 12 or 13 strikeout game, right? Yeah, it was, um, uh, of course, I don't have it up right now, but his I could tell you what his whiff rates were. They were ridiculous. Um, he had. OK, so I found it really interesting that he had, I think, used his curveball primarily in his first few AAA starts and then switched to slider using that as a secondary pitch like most mm-hmm. in his sw- slider got eight whiffs on 11 swings uh, in that game and had a 50 percent chase rate. Um, so now if you're talking like he has he we know he has a good fastball, like average is like 96, 97. And if he has two breaking balls that he could rely on, you know, throw for strikes, get whiffs, chases, that's a that's a good good profile there. And the um, thing the thing that I was pointing, I was talking to somebody in the pitcher list of Discord today is the, the mm-hmm. command is there. Like him and yeah. him and him and Andrew Abbott having improved command is to me like one of the top five stories in in, in prospects, you know, prospecting if you will this season mm-hmm. because that's what turn things around for what the Reds future present and future looks like because both of those guys had major stuff that was never a question but it was always they couldn't throw enough strikes and now Mm -hmm. you have Abbott doing what he's done both at the minor leagues and now at the major league level and if Phillips kind of uh, is able to join him suddenly you have I mean you got a homegrown four right if Lodolo comes back from injury you have Green you got some horses, not just, you know, from the offensive standpoint, but you you have a, a core rotation right there. Yeah. And that's why it's like, I mean, I think that if they're going to make trades, they're going to they have to address the worst part of their team right now. But it's like, I don't think they need to really sell out completely for pitching because like you could see how they're going to be a lot better as soon as mm-hmm. their injured guys come back as, you know, um, as they as Phillips gets promoted, you know, they have a good core. Like you said, they even have Ashcraft who's been better recently. Mm-hmm. So it's not even That's like a, like they're not horrible. They're, they've been horrible pitching because guys have been injured or whatnot. But like going forward, they're not like atrocious. So um, it just could be like a rich get richer type of thing. Um, and then even with like uh, with the walk rates for those guys, it was like in double A, it was like, oh, well, it's a tacky ball. You know, can't really mm-hmm. take that too seriously. And then both of them kind of had that adjustment period at triple A where it was it, the walk rate spiked and then they kind of, I think got used to it, got more acclimated. And then we've seen it start dropping again dramatically for Phillips. And that's what's really unlocked like the dominant stuff recently. Um, so that's him. And then also Mike Vasil. I think if the Mets, are they ever going to promote this guy? I've been hearing about this guy for like a year and a half. <laughs> 
I think it's the trade deadline that's going to do it. If the Mets have to sell or even like retool, if a spot opens up, because like right now it's like they have depth, but no one's like, it's not great depth. You know, it's Mm -hmm. Carlos Carrasco and David Peterson and Tyler McGill, who's been kind of like taking starts and you don't really want those guys there. And I don't think they'll be there long term. And so, and even Verlander or Scherzer, they're both, um, on like either the final year or almost my second to last year of contracts and they're both getting older. And so like, I think they need, they need to get better and younger in the rotation. And if they, you know, trade some pieces away, I think they'll give, I think Vase will be the one that they give the shot to this year. If you know, a spot opens up Christian Scott next year, Christian Scott next year. Yeah. Not going to lie. I don't know enough about Christian Scott to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Scott um, Scott's been Scott's been looking really good at the Double A level, um, especially bad. with his strikeout stuff. Surprisingly, so. Uh, and and one more one more name for for Mets fans, uh, if they don't already know, for them to know is Tyler Stewart, uh, who's okay. looking really good at the high A level. Kind of very similar to um, Scott as far as being under the radar, but putting up really good strikeout numbers. So uh, maybe, like you said, like Basil finally happens for him. Right. Get over that prospect fatigue there, <laughs> and yeah. um, and, and yeah, because I think Vasil uh, and Matt Allen, who I know Matt Allen has been hurt, but like those are the two guys that I feel like I've been hearing about for the Mets are over like <laughs> like two two years, two and a half years total. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, if they decide they want to kind of clear house a little bit, um, that makes sense to to have Vasil up. All right, let's let's move quickly through some more questions. Uh, we have some non non prospect but dynasty related ones. Uh, quick question: uh, thoughts about Braxton Garrett going forward? Past few years, his control has gotten better, and this year his walk per nine is at an all time low at one point five. Do you think it's due to better coaching at the MLB level and it's sustainable, or is this a fluke and more of a sell high right now? He's having a decent year. It's probably one of the reasons Miami has been good to this point. Uh, that was from uh, Zim at Zim, uh, also from the Fancy Baseball server. He asked that question the night of Garrett's last start, which obviously didn't mm. super well, and he acknowledged that. Like, of course, I asked this question, and then this happens. But uh, in in a, without that, uh, you know, not answering this in the vacuum, thinking about the entire uh, Braxton Garrett experience. Um, is is this a fluke? Is it so high? Um, maybe after he gets a good start under his belt, so you don't have the sour taste of this last start, they're polluting the market. But is it a so high, or is there something here? And um, he's somebody that you want to keep around. No, I think he's firmly a hold for me. Um, you know, I think if I think the time to sell high is kind of passed a little bit with like his, his recent rough stretch. Um, and I think if you believed in him enough to hold on, I think that you kind of have to keep doing that at this point. Um, because like he's, um, Zim mentioned that like his command's been getting better. I think that that's legit. Um, cause it's been, it's been backed up by like strike rates and he's like, you know, location plus has been good over a huge sample. Um, and I just brought it up here and, I'm looking at K minus BB for pitchers with at least a hundred innings this year. And why is he not showing up? He has a 20. So I know that he has a 22% K minus BB, um, but he's not showing up in this query that I'm doing. Uh, let's see here, but let's see. So he would be, 
let's see, he would be seventh of pitchers with at least 100 innings pitched uh, with like a 22.2, I think, K-minus BB in, in Major League Baseball. Um, I mean, so that's fantastic. I am a, a little bit pessimistic on the strikeout stuff specifically, um, but, I, you know, because I think that he's more of like a has a deep arsenal and locates it well um, type pitcher, like low walk rate and, um, you know, is good with ratios. And I think that he plays in his, he's a really nice home park. Um, and he's not going to get a ton of wins, but I think him, I see him as like a, um, like maybe like mid threes ERA guy, um, with like around nine K per nine, around like 23, 24% strikeout rate, and then a low walk rate. So maybe true talent, like 18% came on SBB, um, which is like still really good. And I think someone that's a valuable, like SP four on your team, you know, um, and so, and I don't think you're going to get that value out of him right now if you sell him. Um, so I think I'm holding him and I, you know, I've liked what I've seen from him. And I think the, it's just kind of been a bonus with the extra strikeouts that we've gotten. And um, even with this rough patch, he's still definitely delivering a lot better than, than we thought. If you look at what he's done overall, um, I think he'll write the ship here soon. Uh, the other dynasty question that we have, um, curious to get your thoughts on jeremy pena moving forward do you expect him to become anything other than replacement level or can we expect rest of the season from guys that oh so this is a two-parter so let me reread the first one uh curious to get your thoughts on jeremy pena moving forward do you expect him to become anything other than replacement level so let's start with that question first it's so much harder now to see that than it was at the beginning of the season because like you can see where where like the talent was, you know, like his results last year kind of like tailed off towards the end, but then he had that huge postseason series, you know, and he still had a 9.7% barrel rate. Um, and, you know, it was like, he kind of changes, he's changed his swing a little bit, his stance uh, towards the end of the year. And that was like, everyone was like, okay, like that was a big reason, like why he turned it around at the end in the postseason and whatnot. And then this year uh, we've just had like, Oh, we just had none of it. You know, he doesn't, doesn't really hit the ball hard anymore. He's not barely, he's now it's a well below average barrel rate, uh, league average, hard hit rate. Um, doesn't strike out a ton, but like, it's just not, I'm not looking at like a, a good profile, you know, even for a shortstop, he ton of ground balls. He hasn't stolen. He's only stolen in nine bases, even though he's a 96th percentile sprint speed. Um, and so it's just like, I don't know how to project it to get much better because there's not something here that's going like, oh, he should be performing so much better than he is. Um, you know, like he's a decent contact hitter, but nothing elite. Um, and he chases too much. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe if he kind of swung at better pitches, then the quality of contact would be better. So not like, you know, making contact on pitches outside the zone. That's kind of the only thing that I could see, you know, other than that, it's just kind of like someone who doesn't hit the ball hard who doesn't hit a lot of fly balls, too many balls on the ground. And, you know, I don't know where you really go from here. So it's like, I love Jeremy Pena and I thought so highly of him before, but now looking at it, it's like, I don't know where, you know, where he's going unless he makes some big changes. Um, something, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm taking a look at POV for Pena. Well, I guess not. It's not PLV. What are, what are we calling this from the hitter standpoint? I'm always thinking now. I I thought it was I thought it was PLV. Oh, like this, it's just the same. 
maybe. maybe. I don't know. I just I, I think and then you have the individual stats, like the um like the game power and yeah. the yeah. There's like I think six of them on the hitter side, yeah. So I'm looking at his decision value, which yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it is exactly what you're saying, right? He he touched league average for a bit and then completely just just fell off the deep end, starting to get up to where his season average has been, mm-hmm. which is still not very good as far as like runs added, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's agreeing with you 100. Uh, if we look at uh, if I can quickly search through here for judgment, ping, yeah, Jeremy, ping, yeah, where are you at? So yeah, um, almost fourteen hundred pitches. Swing aggression is well above average. Um, decision value is low. Power is low. So yeah, I mean, it's just more of of the same of what you you know just kind of laid out. I guess the 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 one thing that I wonder is just with his age, like he's not that old so is it just a matter we just talked about Wilkerson having an awful you know season and change kind of like maybe this is him where I mean uh it it comes back around after another offseason he'll be I mean he'll be 26 next year which is like you know kind of getting towards he should be entering his prime more um I don't know I feel like if we like um I don't think it was Trey Cabbage but you know if we had a 26 year old prospect um, it'd be like, ah, I don't know, you know, or like what's more valuable being in the majors and struggling for two years or just taking a longer time to get there. I think probably being in the majors and getting that experience. But like, I think you're, uh, how many total at bats he's had 934 plate appearances. That's almost a thousand plate appearances of like stuff that we thought we were going to see that hasn't really materialized. Um, that's tough. I mean, it's not even a 2020 pace. Um, it's like, uh, a 20, 2010 to 15 uh with poor batting average less than 300 on base percentage ops less than 700 and he's not great defensively either so like how is he even keeping playing time like the astros are committed to this guy i don't know if they have really anyone else for shortstop but like he's his ops is below 700 and he doesn't play great defense so like what is he really bringing you know to the major league team yeah yeah the guys that they have like they have a great kiss in your right as as a he He's kind of a utility bat. Uh, Dubon is kind of start to move in as a everyday second baseman, which I don't think you really want, especially as a contender. Yeah. He's really more of a utility bat. That's what he was with um, San Francisco, and I think that's where he's kind of best suited. Uh, looking at their minors, they have like Shea Whitcomb, who has a lot more pop, uh, but he's going to get he's had swing and miss issues as well, so he's not necessarily a solution. And I don't know that he's a better um, defensive sec- or shortstop than Pena is. Uh, and I kind of start to blank after a while. Like most of their guys that are uh, making a lot of noise are outfielders, right? Melton, like all the Tennessee guys that I had, right? Gilbert, Melton, uh, Clifford. I know it's not a Tennessee guy, but Clifford is another one. Like they don't really have a whole lot of middle infielders that I can recall off the top of my head, especially in like the upper minors that would be better. So yeah, I don't know. Jeremy Pena. I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was 24, so I actually had him two years younger. Um, so that's on me. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you kind of have to start thinking about dropping him in, like, in 10-teamers, maybe 12. If, if Like, if you have a roster crunch, if you have a shallow roster right. and a 12-team, like Dynasty, I think you usually want to hang on to these guys and see it through. 
if you're selling him, it's going to be tough to get anything of value back. It might be better just to have an open spot for someone else. Like, I don't know how you could justify keeping, especially if you're a contender, you know, if you're kind of like rebuilding, maybe you can keep him and see if anything happens in the off season, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 but yeah. Um, man, it's tough. I, he's not looking good. Hmm. Uh, second question from this player. What can we expect the rest of the season from guys that have uh, all right underlying stats uh, that are underperforming this year due to injury? Uh, example, uh, Pete Alonzo, uh, Byron Buxton, and uh, Harper as well, Bryce Harper. And this is this. these questions are from uh, at AJ Smith, uh, also from the Dynasty Baseball uh, subreddit server. So shout out to AJ Smith. Yeah. Yeah, I think I kind of look back to what happened with Acuna last year, how like he was still a dynamic player, you know, coming back from the ACL, uh, stole a ton of bases, you know, was solid, but he just didn't get the power back. And that's kind of kind of what we're seeing with Harper. Like he's not as, you know, young and doesn't run as much, but like Harper's a lot of the same player, but just without the power um, as he's come back. And I don't think that we could really expect for him to like all of a sudden like find it, you know, and I think like, some with him his injury is different because like he had the surgery he's now coming back for me he still doesn't i don't think he really plays the field yet um and so he's more on like the other end of healing um kind of like what acuna was last year where then on the other side you have alonzo and buxton who i think are still kind of like do they haven't i don't think they've gotten surgery and they're still kind of actively dealing with these injuries um and i think that like for those guys you have to at some point, like have the surgery deal with it. And I think that it'll be like in the off season, they do something um, and then like fully recover from it. We're in the season. You're like, you want to get into games. You want to keep playing. Um, and, you know, especially with like how bad the Mets have been, I'm sure Alonzo felt pressure to like get back out there. Right. Um, and so it's hard to see how those guys are going to make, make a comeback without really fully addressing the injury and just kind of playing through it. Um, you know, and then even with Harper, it's like, maybe he just needs more time to like, heal and get back to like to get back to doing it because like it's a pretty major surgery like Acuna's major surgery um and so it's like you think you just kind of have to adjust expectations and I, I think if you're continually looking at your team and expecting to see Alonzo Harper standard output you're just gonna it's gonna be so disappointing and I think you just kind of have to like adjust the expectations to what they've been doing even if some of the underlying data looks better because like injuries are just so hard to play through and they're so hard to predict, you know, how you're going to react to them. Yeah. Um, I think this is, uh, Oh, we got two questions. We'll, we'll get through them real quick. Cause I know we're running a little bit long and also apologies ahead. I know we had some technical difficulties. Hopefully we were able to get that sorted, but, um, that also kind of bled into the, the length of the pod here. Um, real quick though, uh, we got a uh, kind of a generic podcast question. If that's okay, uh, of course it's okay. Uh, what is one aspect of prospect evaluation that you feel is undervalued or underexplored? That's from at Mavfada, um from Dynasty Baseball Server. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is like a batted ball data, and um, you know, like. Uh, on the pitching side, maybe like, you know, the stuff plus stuff, the pitch modeling and whatnot mm -hmm. that we just don't have access to widely. Uh, and that's, what's been so exciting about doing the pitchers of stash article is that we now have stack cast data for AAA, which is great. It's like, as soon as a guy's promoted, you're going to the game feed on Savant and looking at like, you know, how their pitches, like the velocity in the pitches movement, um, you know, swing strike, things like that. And it's like so exciting, but it's like, I really wish we had it 
for even lower levels. I think it'll kind of like get more accessible just like going forward. Um, but I think that, and that's just like, there are some, some places you can go to get them, but it's also kind of gate kept. A lot of it's behind paywalls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean like, Hey, if you can get that data, yeah, sure. Charge for it. It's nothing against anyone that does it. Like, um, like if you want to join, uh, like Chris Clegg has a, his dynasty dynasty dugout, um, sub stack where you have access to all the AAA stack cast data consolidated. Um, and he has access to scouts data. Uh, he's made a lot of connections and so he can get bad ball data on most minor leaguers in general. Um, and so you have those guys with connections that you kind of have to lean on if you want stuff like that, but it's kind of makes it difficult. Cause once you get to the majors, that's the first thing we look at, like, okay, how hard does he hit the ball? How, how, like, what's his swinging strike? How's this stuff showing up? Um, and then in the minors, you're kind of looking at, it's like the eye test and then the box scores. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can get there. It you know puts you in the right direction. But um, we have this new technology now that's like just making it so much better. I and mean, it feels like when you're looking at the minors, you're just kind of like back in the stone age a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. See, and I'm going to take uh, the other side of that coin. And I'm going to say the most undervalued part is watching the players. Yeah. Um, I think for as much data, I'm, I'll sound all curmudgeonly or whatever, <laughs> I guess, but like the data is great and it means a lot and I'm not against it whatsoever. Um, I'm still trying to learn, especially from the pitching standpoint, like spin and axis and all, like all that sort of stuff. I'm still trying to digest, like drinking from a fire hose all the time. But there's something about, especially when it comes to hitters, because that's something that I feel a little bit more adept at understanding, at least. Mm-hmm. Not saying I know anything, but at least understanding some basic things. Uh, and I'll give a perfect example. Somebody brought up in one of the servers, uh, Blake Dunn. I don't know. You may know Blake Dunn, uh, Jake, because he's a, he's a Reds prospect. Okay. He's a Reds. Not, not really, no. Okay. <laughs> he's a Reds prospect relatively, like I use okay. prospect loosely. Okay. But he's, uh, I want to say 23, 24, he's outfielder. He's put up some really good numbers at like high A, double A. But what, what myself and another person that was chiming in was explaining to the person that was kind of asking the question is when you look at the numbers, they look really good. When you look at the person that's giving you the numbers, you start to see how it'll be very difficult for that to sustain because there's a person that's not incredibly athletic. He does have, um, you know, pretty uh, pretty good stolen base numbers, but he's not like a super burner. He's not very rotational when it comes to his swing mechanics. So like the home run numbers that he's putting up right now, I don't know if that's going to sustain mm-hmm. once he starts okay. getting more and more. So it was like once you start watching the 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 tape and, you know, watching him hit home runs and watching him do all this stuff, it's like, okay, but let's imagine this person at AAA and then at the major league level. And can right. that person, based on what we're seeing right now with their mechanics and, and how they set up and all, all the stuff that they do, can they be producing anywhere close to the same thing? I don't see it. Now, on the, obviously the other side of that is I could 100% be wrong and Blake Dunn could be the new hotness in two years. Like, who knows? But yeah. as far as like how you feel confidently, and, and I do start to feel like that pitching-wise, right? You start to watch pitchers and say, wow, this guy has... Uh, you know, great data um, or great just numbers in general. And then you start watching, and you're like, oh, mechanically, like he's kind of short arming the ball. Um, you know, his delivery is like super high, like really max effort, which means like how, you know, you start looking at his data and say, oh, well, he has great strikeout numbers, but he barely can make it through four or five innings at a time. How is that going to sustain? 
right uh his arm is or you know something where it's like his arm takes a long time to get through to release it's not a whippy like quick release action it's this long getting it all the way through before release and like that's probably taking away velocity where he should be trying to add that velocity um can guys see the ball easily like does he show the ball very obvious so all those sorts of things but you have to watch the games or some video something you have to put eyes on it um anytime i start writing up a guy or seeing a guy's name pop up a lot and i can't just recall like i've seen him before i'm like okay let me go to a twitter a youtube or something something like milb.com let me go somewhere so i can actually see video of this guy so i can start to learn more about like what they're doing um so yes two sides of the same coin i guess like the, the yeah. having more data definitely would be a boon and like if and when that day comes it's going to completely revolutionize prospecting because now right. we're open to everybody and now trying to get that edge is going to be completely different mm-hmm. but i can tell you right now a lot of it's going to start with you got to watch the guys that you're prospecting you got to see them yeah. Um, yeah 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 one more thing that i have for pitchers is uh innings caps, innings limits, and how many innings they went the last year. Like we're seeing with Yuri Perez right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think we're going to see with like uh, with like Brian Wu, a lot of these guys that come up and um, and I think expectations, you know, like so many people in redraft specifically spent a ton of money to get Yuri. I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like looking at like, okay, like realistically, how much can we actually expect from his workload? You know, because like if he threw – like a hundred innings last year, he's probably only going to get to like 120 max this year, you know, or a lot of pitchers don't throw even a hundred innings in the minors. And so they're not going to be just given runway to go out there all the time. Um, and so I think, yeah, just paying attention to what the guy did previously is always good to just set expectations for what you can expect rest of season. If they're going to be making the majors, um, and impacting fantasy teams, you know? Yep. Uh, so last question, we will end with our own um, pitcher lists, podcast manager, and, and just all around great guy, Adam Howe, asking us a question. Uh, my home dynasty league just completed a supplemental prospect draft, and in it we saw a pitcher run that went in order. Uh, Cooper Herpy, Cade Horton, Dylan Lesko, Ben Brown. Can you guys talk about your opinions on them and if you would have drafted them in a different order? Yeah, I think um, Ben seeing Ben Brown go forth is like surprising, but not surprising because like what he's done recently like warrants it. But also, I think what the skills are, I would have him higher. Um, I think if you're someone who's looking at the horrible ERAs, the up and down, the getting blown up, then being great, then getting blown up again, you know, and the walk rates being all over the place too, very easily to get, very easy to get scared off. But I think I'm willing to bet more on minor leaguers with good, you know, good stuff, good pitches. um, And regardless of results, because ERA is so noisy in general. And, um, you know, I think even walk right can be approved on easier than just like getting someone to throw harder or, you know, have a better fastball, have a better slider. Um, I think he has a great fastball. He has a great slider and he's just kind of figuring out the rest. And I think I'll rather bet on him to do that than some of the other guys who we haven't really seen at, at higher levels yet. I think Horton would be the only one that I could take above Ben Brown right now. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that assessment. And I would say 
the thing with Horton and Brown, right? You start to worry a little bit because we know the Cubs have this track record of struggling to develop their guys um, to to make it all the way to being bigger league ready. Um, yeah. And then they started to with with Brown, with Caleb Killian, with um, I'm blanking on somebody else. There's there's one other name. Oh, Wisniewski. Yeah, Wisniewski. <laughs> they started kind of buying guys, right? Like we well, if we can't draft and develop. We'll kind of get them when they're at that uh, high A, double A level from another team, and then you know they should just kind of flow in, and and that hasn't necessarily worked either. So, I think right. that does you know put up a little bit of a red flag. But I agree with you. Horton is probably the only person that I put above Brown. We talked already with the Cardinals just not seeing the strikeout stuff when it comes to uh, their prospects. And let's go. I mean, you know, it's just we don't know with with him coming mm-hmm. off of Tommy John is just too soon. Um, He's so far away still. Yeah, yeah. He's so young. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think that's everybody. I think we knocked out all the questions. Thank you to everybody that submitted questions. I, I would like Absolutely. to do this again. Maybe in the off season, we'll have um, a mailbag as we, we get into 2024. But thanks to everybody for participating, for sending your questions. Um, that was really cool. Uh, articles to publish, like I say, by the time you guys hear this, prospect watch list will be right back on schedule. Um, so you'll see that pictures to stash articles. I'm assuming that's running, uh, as normal, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Getting ready for the. I'm really excited for the trade deadline. Honestly, I'm really excited to see how it shakes out and how it creates new opportunities for guys. Because honestly, it's been a little. It's been a little um, not boring because you know they're still pitching in the minors. But like, I want to see more guys up. You know, right? right. So yeah. Um, as always, want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast, all of our Pitcher List pods, on the Pitcher List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Pitcher List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. You can of course find me on the social media platform formerly known as twitter at <laughs> inside fastball capital i capital f and you can find me on in the place at jake mash m-a-i-s-h we should we should make an app called in the place um the place, yeah. and you can you can follow the podcast itself at pl on the farm as well uh with that being said i hope you all enjoy the rest of your day 